Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. A post-NBA season edition of Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's over. Small market Denver. The Nuggets, they win the championship. They win game five last night over the Miami Heat, 94 to 89, proving that, yes, folks, a small market NBA team can win the championship, even if it takes 47 years. We just have 12 more years to go here with the Charlotte Hornets organization. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Want to hear your thoughts? Want to hear your comments? 704-570-9610. 704-570-9610. West, my prediction did not come true. It was close. Jimmy Butler was not good at all in this game until he rattled off, what, 13 straight points in the fourth quarter. In the end, it wasn't enough to extend this series, and my prediction was wrong. Yours wasn't correct in the margin of victory. Right, right, right. You were correct in the sense that Denver was able to take care of business, but it was a rock fight. It was a fun game, also not so fun. I need your thoughts on what the hell we watch because it was – a good competitive contest, yeah. but whew, it wasn't pretty basketball. Nobody would describe that. It wasn't. It was a slugfest. It was fun to watch, though, because it was back and forth. They were playing hard. You could tell both teams were absolutely exerting everything they had, especially when you talk about the Miami Heat, the way they came out early in the game, and I thought it was going to be the typical closeout. The more desperate team was going to make their claim early in the game, and then the bow was going to break, and then everything was going to happen. But the more and more the game went on, you were like, man, is Miami going to take this thing back to Dade County? But some timely buckets late. Denver started getting a few stops. Bam just still remained limited. And then uh, <laughs> the second half, he was the first half. He was not. Yes. Second yes, half. Yes. Second half. It, yeah. it was uh, it was definitely a tale yeah. of, of two periods for him. But they just couldn't get big shots down the stretch, man. Vincent, Duncan Robinson, none of those guys could conjure up the magic they once had. Caleb Martin either. And then Denver just made the plays they needed to. They really gutted out that championship win. They always say closeout games are the hardest to win. And you saw that last night with Denver. They had to really fight to get that one done. I already told you the text line. What are you doing? I want to hear your thoughts and I want to hear your comments, your observations on what took place last night with the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA title for the first time in their NBA's history, the first time they actually got to the NBA Finals again in 47 years. Main takeaways, observations, all that good stuff by texting us at 704-570-9610. Let's continue that conversation right now. On Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ by getting off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! Wes, I'll kick it to you. How will you remember Denver and Nikola Jokic's run? An historic run individually, for sure, for one of the better centers we've ever seen. How will you remember this run for both of those Man, that's a great question because... These are one of those teams that I feel like really needs to win two to really go down for people in history to where you really remember them because I think Jokic makes them memorable because he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats. But how I will remember this team is a team that 
won a championship and uh I guess you oh man. You will, really you, will you remember me. this team? Will you remember this team? <laughs> no, you really stumped me because it's like, what do you remember most about this team? Like I said, is Jokic. I think the thing that I would take away the most is the the ascension of Nikola Jokic and him validating himself as one of the all-time greats. That's what I'll take. I think that's the main takeaway. Yeah. It's the fact that Nikola just put him... Anybody that was a doubter on him, anybody that was a hater, Nick Wright was probably the most famous hater of Nikola Jokic, saying he shouldn't have won the two MVPs that he did, saying that he shouldn't have been in contention more so with Joel Embiid, more so than he was. You needed to see it in the postseason for him to get this kind of notoriety, or get this kind of fame, I should say. Not notoriety, but get this kind of fame. And he took care of it, and he dominated Wes. And we have Burberry Gary saying something that many others feel too. He wrote in historically easy run, Congrats to Denver, though. I guess you have some parity in the NBA. We don't have any real super team. Golden State has a lot of stars. The Suns, though. The Suns have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. But the big three style to this, where does that exist? I will say Denver has one super duper top 20 player of all time when it's all said and done. Who knows how high he could climb. They have Jamal Murray, who I don't believe has an all-star appearance. No, he does not. But is also an all-star worthy player, especially played like that in the postseason. And you have two very good rotation guys in Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. gives you all-star flashes constantly. Aaron Gordon, we had those combos with him playing in Orlando and then had a different role suited for him once they made that savvy trade. I think my takeaway, and this is what I've talked about a decent amount, If you look at the way Denver constructed their team, you have to hit on the best bargain draft pick of all time in the NBA. Correct. 41st overall selection. Without selecting Nikola Jokic, this does not happen. So I don't want to get it twisted. That is clear, okay? That opens up the door, and it quite literally has never happened before. Somebody that late, this good. The ratio there, it's never been matched. But Denver wasn't perfect despite having what was an excellent team-building process. And that's what I want to focus on. Because, yeah, they did draft Jamal Murray. Great draft pick. They did make the savvy trade for Aaron Gordon. Despite giving up on what people were calling young talent at the time, Gary Harris and R.J. Hampton. There were some real things given up in that trade for Aaron Gordon. But the fit was so good, they decided to go after it. They also drafted Donovan Mitchell and traded him. Immediately. Do you know who that trade was for? ACC's finest Tyler Lydon from Syracuse and Trey Lyles. Donovan Mitchell for Tyler Lydon and Trey Lyles. After they drafted Jokic, you know who they selected in the first round the following year? Emmanuel Moutier. Dude was traded. A guy that I thought was going to be a good player. Dude was traded after a couple of years. (laughs) You can overcome really tough decisions with bad outcomes. And I don't want to say awful mistakes. Yes, what you can do is you can go back in retrospect and call those awful decisions, but they're tough decisions in real time where the results are not good for you, but you can still overcome it because then you realize that you don't have him in Emmanuel Moutier. You trade him. You get Justin Jackson. You move these pieces around until you finally find the right fit. And by the way, even without some of the good results that you were hoping for with tough decisions, you also had Jamal Murray miss two postseasons. This was his first, he had the bubble postseason run, Mm -hmm. but this was his first as far as playing in the Western Conference Finals something serious. 
and also playing in the NBA Finals the way he played. This is my point, Wes. Charlotte has made a ton of bad decisions in their life. Their organization's history is full of them, okay? Through the draft, through free agency, through deciding who they need to pay, all of that stuff. But what Denver has shown, yes, you have to get the star power to allow these doors to open. I'm not disregarding that. But it does go to show you that small market teams can get past some of those bad decisions and make significant postseason runs. Yeah, they can. And so that was the big thing I was thinking about last night after the game, too, because I'm like, we've had a lot of first-time winners or we've had first-time winners winning the NBA Finals in recent memory when you talk about the Cavaliers and the Nuggets. We've had, oh, and the Raptors as well. Then when we've had teams that have gone decades before they won championships, when you're talking about Golden State. And so now, and the, the the Denver Nuggets, again, getting their first one. And so you're like, man, what does it take for that to happen? Because you immediately think about the Hornets and the fact that it took Denver this long because they've been in the NBA and the ABA, if I'm not mistaken, for a long time. Yeah, and one of the four ABA teams. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So they've been a franchise for a long time. And so for them to finally get this, you you kind of start to wonder, like, man, can the Hornets ever be in this type of moment? Can they ever pull this off? And as you said, so many things have to go right, and you do have to overcome mistakes like that. But the Jokic factor, it's just so beyond belief of anything you could think that you could do as a franchise. When you go back and you look at the greatest second-round picks of all time, and you see the Dennis Rodman's, and, and Tony Kukoc and some of those players. But to get a guy that's going to go down as one of the absolute finest at his position, multiple MVPs, that's the thing that kind of dampens your spirits. You're like, oh, how the hell are we going to get that done? Like, because a guy like Giannis as well, like when you talk about the Hornets and some of those draft picks and you pick a guy late lottery or outside of the lottery that ends up being the best player in the game. And so as a Hornets fan – it would kind of frustrate you because you're like, man, can we get that type of good fortune? We can't even get the damn number one pick. Yeah, well, that's okay, though, because what <laughs> they're showing you with – if you look at the top performers this postseason, I don't think anybody's really going to disagree with me. If you want to go with the top performers this year, Nikola Jokic, Jimmy Butler, Devin Booker before they got bounced by Denver, mm-hmm. and if you also want to go to a Jamal Murray – Jamal Murray was the the highest pick out of all those guys at seven. Jimmy Butler was 30. Nikola was 41. Giannis, even Giannis, who won the title a couple of years ago, he was 15. There are just different ways to do this. It doesn't mean that, hey, you should trade back in the late lottery and see if you <laughs> right. can get lucky. Right, get multiple second-round picks. But you can get your number two overall pick and have that guy be the star. Or what you can do is find that diamond in the rough, so to speak, to see if they can be the guy that brings you to the promised land. Kawhi Leonard is another great example. What he was able to do with Toronto once he was traded. There are different ways to attack this. And as we talk more about parity, it is interesting to me that you have Denver top 20 player of all time when it's all said and done jamal murray great player i talked about the two fantastic role players and even a deep bench you can go to bruce brown kcp was good last night better than he had been in early in the series was last night the official death of the big three squad west bryant you tell me <laughs> you know what I, I thought about that a lot that was another thought that immediately came to me because sometimes walk i know you'll notice that you'll go into the rundown and there will be things already there and as i lay down at 11 30 i have to put these thoughts on paper before i forget them and that was one of the first ones that came to my head you look at this miami heat team who are the marquee guys on that team bam and jimmy a duo 
Some people might want to throw Tyler Hero in there, but he's not on that level yet where you could really throw him in and consider them. They didn't want to bring him back. They didn't want to bring him back. Right. Then you look at Denver now, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. So, yeah, I think it has kind of shown teams now that they don't have to go out and find three guys. You have to find two really awesome guys and then put the right role players around them, which has traditionally been the thing in basketball, especially coming up a 90s kid, early 2000s. Uh, before the Boston Celtics did what they did and then before the Miami Heat did that, it kind of harkens back to that era. And I think that's kind of always been the formula in the NBA is having two superstars and great role players. And the new collective bargaining agreement between the union and the league, by the way, it makes it even harder because of some second apron action, which is vernacular I'm using that I don't totally understand, to be honest with you. (laughs) The NBA contract, the CBA, sometimes it's tough. But I do know that... NBA pundits have discussed how harder it might be to in order to get your big three guys locked in. And if you have somebody already that is a star, it might be easier to just keep them on the roster and not risk trading one of those stars in order to bring in somebody else trying to free up money. So it'll be interesting to see how the NBA is affected by the CBA. I will say too, Denver, there's a reason people are having the, is this the next dynasty conversation? Because they're young. KCP is the only guy that I see over 30 on this squad that had real time playing out there on the court. Bruce Brown, a depth piece that was big. He's on a great contract. They've already locked in Jokic. They've already locked in Jamal Murray. Yeah, I have no problem with you having the conversation. Is this the next dynasty? Wow. If you want to be in the prediction business, if you want to try to get out there yeah. when with a bold take, because that's what we do, shoot for it, man. You've got a lot of evidence to suggest that this might be the next dynasty. Hopefully the Charlotte Hornets can reach that realm as well. And maybe they go there through an interesting path, not taking a player at number two overall and instead trading that pick for a different player. One team is rumored to be interested in moving up to second or th- or uh, the third overall pick, trying to get Scoot Henderson. We talk about if the Charlotte Hornets should engage in trade talks coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. get on the text line about the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA Finals. Talking about the Charlotte Hornets, perhaps they could overcome all of their problems in their franchise's history. 704-570-9610. People are writing it in. 704 said, yes, you can overcome it unless you are the Charlotte Hornets. Robbie dangerously said, for me, I hope now that Denver... Once the league realizes it's going back to the traditional post-up center like Jokic, or I hope that Denver is now a team that allows the league to recognize that it can go back up to the post-up type centers. Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, you won a championship. Giannis isn't a post-up center. That's not true. Giannis is somebody that's going to bring up the basketball. But Jokic and Embiid, there were real questions about whether you could win with Jokic. Just that kind of style. I, I think it was always fair to hold out until his roster was real ready. You had Jamal Murray actually play because he missed the last two postseasons. But it was real conversation there. Wolfpack James says, what do you think it would cost to trade for OG from Toronto? Interesting he brings up OG Ananobi because the Denver Nuggets reportedly were interested in trading for OG Ananobi but it never materialized. And then they get they also get Aaron Gordon. It works out for him. Yeah, I don't know what it would cost. Yeah. I know at the deadline, 
there was a lot of OG Ananobi conversation and Charlotte, I don't think ever was really in the running, although people were kind of throwing the team out there and Toronto decides to hold on to OG. He could stay in Toronto. You don't like OG? No. Why not? He's just a guy. He's a good player, but I mean, no. No, okay. OG's pretty good. I like OG. I mean, that's what I say. He's a decent player, but he's not moving the needle. Big Chris from Shelby wrote in, I don't see much to shout about concerning the Joker. He's a big, clumsy Russian with no swag. Oh, good Lord. That's a pretty Do you think no that Jokic, though, the thing, I, the thing I like about this moment, too, is something interesting to bring up. We remember when the Warriors got their first title. That changed the league as far as how people wanted to play the game. Is Jokic going to bring back the big man? I don't think so. You Be- don't think so? Well, because, oh, okay, all we have to do to copy what they did with Jokic is find the best passer in big man history and one of the best passers of all time. No, very just true. have him 6'11". It's hard to do. Yeah. But I'm just saying, do you think now that the the kids that can really play just the 6'10", 6'11", centers that can command coverage down in the post and find open teammates, will that become a thing again? Well, I mean, because Joel Embiid is the post-up center and Philadelphia hasn't accomplished anything. Yeah. And who are the other post-up style centers that have allowed you to get as far as... It's really those two, give or take, maybe one or two guys that I'm not thinking of right off the top of my head, but it's really those two. Jokic's passing is otherworldly. It's what allows them to have shooters around him, to have a very good point guard in Jamal Murray, who played all-NBA level in the postseason. He absolutely did. He's never had an all-star appearance, Mm -hmm. but in the postseason, the dude comes ready to show up, okay? The numbers were good in the series. He hits big-time shots. Clutch player is Jamal Murray, so that matters quite a bit. But nobody's like Jokic. It's why I'm so tired of that picture, though. The Nikola Jokic picture? Oh, God. You don't like the one million three tweet (laughs) of of any account? That shows 11-year-old Jokic staring at you with folds as an 11-year-old body? Somebody legit posted that again as if it was new and was like, this guy just won an NBA championship. I'm like, can we stop? Like, we get it. He doesn't have a a cut-up body. He's not 3% body fat. (laughs) Can we please stop posting that picture? But that's just the culture we're in now. Nothing ever dies. This is the nerd culture. You know, Pharrell's group nerd, no one ever really dies. Yeah. That's what type of culture we live in now. And as every time he does something great, this picture will remain on. So it I is just, funny, though. Yeah. And it I mean, funny. some of the, 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 the text is out there texting. What are some sports pictures that you just get tired of seeing over and over again that people just will not let go? This is one of them. That one is, you know what I got tired of? If we're going to talk about social media, trending pictures or videos, Mm -hmm. you know what I can't stand is the Max is nice guy. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? He's the guy that imitates all of the NBA basketball players and their style of play. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know about that. He does a lot of the same stuff for every player. And it's so dramatic, and he's not been someone that's been doing a lot of the content, I don't think, recently, or at least it hasn't been as popular, but I couldn't stand that guy. Hey, one of the memes that always gets me to still laugh is the one where LeBron James is like, after, I forget who the player was. It was J.R. Smith. Yeah, Yeah. that one is still hilarious, but I I still see that everywhere. The one I like is, um, remember when they played, I think it was when they played the Warriors, well, I forget which series. It was a series that they, they came back from 3-1, I think. But it's, no, no, no. He was in a Lakers uniform, but people use it on this one site I go on all the time. When he was so tired, they caught him laying on the bench, and his eyes looked like they were rolling back in his head, and he had the mouthpiece hanging out of his mouth. 
You ever seen that one? I don't think I have. I gotta show you. Well, that the best, cracks well, the, me up. The best hired picture is Jimmy Butler, and it was used in this series because Jimmy Butler was <laughs> gassed. You could tell. I, I hate that Jimmy had to end like that. It's tough. What You've a great, seen this. When I show it to you, you're gonna be like, oh, I've seen this before. What a great postseason run for Jimmy Butler <laughs> that ended with an awful turnover. Wes is in his own world right now. Yeah. He's just saying, yeah. Yeah, LeBron looks tired. Yeah. LeBron looks very tired. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Strap? I no, still I don't think, think so. Wes, Wes is just like, <laughs> show it. <laughs> you ever been that tired doing anything? Yeah, playing GTA. Oh, yeah. I bet. It's tough, man, out here playing Vice City. I still <laughs> like the Jimmy Butler one a little bit more. So, uh, 980 said, yeah, everybody tried to copy the best shooter in NBA history, so they will copy the Nugget style. Yeah, but there's more to copy than just having the best shooter in NBA history. Small ball. Having a great defensive mind in Draymond Green, so you try to roll with him instead of a traditional center. You go with some kind of death-style lineup. You get a bunch of shooters. No, you might not have the best shooters in Steph and Clay. Right. But how many how many guys are even in the same realm as Nikola Jokic as a passer in the NBA at 6'11"? But, There's nobody even close. See, I don't think necessarily that you need that. Be, we were talking about this today in the fishbowl, and I said that I think Shaq could have been maybe not just as good of a pass as Nikola Jokic, um, but I think he could have been, if Shaq wanted to average eight to nine assists, if he wanted to, he could have done that because Shaq was a really good passer and he commanded such attention in the post that once Shaq made a move and he committed to going to the bucket, the defense just collapsed. Shaq is not going behind the back like Jokic is. Oh, as frequently he could. As he, okay, he could. Jokic, please... He just Jokic it's gonna just make it sound like I'm slandering. To do it. No, but no, he just but Jokic, he can't pass it. like nobody can. This oh, is man. no, no, no. This is not Shaq. Daddy was nasty. Shaq man. was great. Nobody's passing like if we're gonna call Jokic one of the best passers of all time, not best big man passer, one of the best passers of all time. Shaq was a very good passer. I'm not trying to take that away from him. This is what we do. Just because I don't think he's in the same realm as Jokic, Jokic, now it's like I think Shaq was awful. No, that's not true. But he's not in the same realm, not in the same neighborhood, not in the same planet. But I'm just saying, even yet and still, if you can get a big now that you can count on for 20 to 25 points that's going to command attention in the post and surround them with shooters, you can duplicate what the Nuggets are doing. Not at that level, but sure. Sure, you could try to go with that. I just don't know how many people are are because like that. Because to me, MB could really get his assist numbers through the roof if he played in the post. Yeah, but you would think it that it can't be that simple, right? Because NBA teams, while there are plenty of dumb NBA teams out there, if that was the the re, if that was the blueprint to win, then you have to imagine Philadelphia would have been able to figure out, hey Joel, just pass it more. But right? he like that's, But the thing is, he gets a he gets a reputation as a as a kind of a. I'm not going to say guys call him soft, but I'm just saying that he's not soft by any stretch of the imagination. But if he chose with his skill set to play on the block exclusively, then they would have a better offense because he's another guy that he's going to break a defense down from the block and he can find open shooters all day. Well, okay. I mean, and for cutters. Sure. Okay, for sure. Yeah. I don't know what that, how does that compare to Jokic though? Because I mean, that's basically what Jokic does. Jokic shoots threes, but I'm just saying, Jokic, he controls the tempo of the game. You find him on the block or the top of the key, and he finds open shooters and cutters. Like, it might be a little fancier, but that's essentially what he does in that offense. And I'm not saying it's the blueprint to an NBA championship, but it's still a blueprint to a very good team, especially if you can be good defensively. 
I think that is something because we know there's always a shift in the game. The Warriors caused the last shift in the game. Now, Jokic and the Nuggets could potentially cause a shift. Now, I'm with you. If I had to bet on it, I'm not saying that I think he's bringing the big man back and we're about to go back to the 90s, 1995 out here. But I just think that if you could find a big that can command attention to the post that's a that's a good passer, that has good court vision, I think you could do some damage with that, and that could be an effective basketball team. We got to get to the big local storyline. So we got a report from Sham Sharani of The Athletic that – one team in particular is pursuing Scoot Henderson. Here's that team from Shams. The Pelicans are expected to aggressively pursue a top pick, potentially two or three, in this upcoming NBA draft with their eyes set on Scoot Henderson, sources tell me. Henderson and Alabama's Brandon Miller are vying to potentially go number two to the Charlotte Hornets in the draft. Henderson worked out on Sunday in Charlotte, and Miller goes on Tuesday. Expect the Hornets to further solidify their draft board as this week closes, but the Pelicans are among teams seriously pursuing that number two overall pick. Let's go. So there's Shams' report. (laughs) The New Orleans Pelicans, they want Scoot. They are on the Scoot wagon, and they are willing to go up and get him at number two or number three. Now, let's just make sense of the situation real quickly before we get your take on this. Because the only way that you can secure Scoot Henderson is if you trade up to number two before the NBA draft. That's the only way you're going to secure it. If you wanted to wait till NBA draft night, cross your fingers that Charlotte is going to take Brandon Miller, then on draft night, you can move up to number three with Portland. And then it might get interesting because Portland, even though they've been involved in a big trade before dealing C.J. McCollum to New Orleans, Maybe that is the avenue, trading Zion, trading Brandon Ingram up to the Trailblazers for the number three pick, whatever, in order to get Scoot Henderson. But Charlotte has the leverage right now because Wimby's going to go number one, and then if you want Scoot, you're going to have to go through Charlotte or hope they don't take him. Wes, are you engaging in trade talks with the New Orleans Pelicans if you're Charlotte? If you're giving me Zion Williamson, yes, a thousand times, yes. Uh, Brandon Ingram, I'm going to listen very hard as well. Because I think that neither one of these players at their apex would be as good as either of those two players at their apex. Now, Zion's got some cleaning up to do. No doubt about it. He's got to get his house in order. But I think he will. He's only 22. He's got a lifetime in the NBA ahead of him, hopefully. But this is a guy that you're talking about when healthy, puts up historic stat lines on a nightly basis. He's virtually unstoppable from 15 feet and in. And I just think that it would be tremendous for the Hornets to have him and LaMelo, not to mention Wes Bryant, becomes a profit at that point once this trade goes through. I will probably get a wizard hat, probably black and gold, uh, Wake Forest colors, and I will sit atop my throne for the trade that I uh, predicted on Twitter three to four years ago. People can dig into the Twitter. I don't know how far you have to go. But uh, I did once say that he's going to be a Hornet before it's all said and done. Okay. If that happens, <laughs> then we can quote tweet that and we can run with it. Whoa, wizard hat emoji. Yes. Mind blown emoji. We can go with all of that if that doesn't happen. What would happen? be my thing for dropping tweets at that point? Because we have Woj bombs. So what would mine be? A Brian let bomb. The fans. Brian bomb. Oh! That's the Brian bomb. Okay. (laughs) I don't want to do it. 
Okay. I just want to take Scoot we and know. run. I know. But here's the reason. Zion Williamson on the floor is fantastic. Zion Williamson is great. The dude has played 114 games in four years. Just to give you a little more detail on this, he played 24 his rookie year. He played 61 his sophomore year in the league. Third year, didn't play a lick. Out the entire time with a foot injury. Played 29 games this past season. 24, 61, 0, 29. 114 games in four years in the league. Let's go to Gordon Hayward, shall we? Gordon Hayward is also an injured basketball player everybody wants to get rid of because he's not on the court. That guy has played 143 games the past three seasons. If you think Gordon Hayward is often injury prone and you think Zion Williamson is too, he's actually a more injured player than Gordon is. In the last three years, Gordon has played more than Zion has in the last four. If the idea to trade for a star like Zion is to mitigate risk or reduce uncertainty because you're getting rid of the risk that is the draft pick. It's always going to come with whatever draft pick. And then you go get the guy that has shown you he's very good. Then I need some kind of certainty you're going to be on the court. And it hasn't happened. And there's been nothing to suggest that he's going to be okay long term. The Snapchat stuff, the Mariah Mills stuff, I'd rather it not be there. But that's not the real driving force as to why I'm not making this trade. It's the fact that the dude's played 114 games in the past four years. Now, I'm not trading a number two overall pick on what is still kind of a lottery ticket. Brandon Ingram, I'd be a little more inclined to listen to more so. I'm inclined to listen to both of them, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like Zion is talented enough to where I'm not just turning my cheek and not listening. But to me, I'm still just going to walk away with the second overall selection. I like Scoot Henderson on that contract. Roland trying to develop chemistry in the backcourt between him and LaMelo. 30%. Who, Scoot? Oh, my bad. Well, he shot more than 30%. But also, (laughs) at least he's going to be on the floor. Like Zion Williamson ain't shooting one. He's not shooting better than that from three. But he's also not going to be on the floor. I mean, he's 30% body fat. Zion actually shot 36% from three. Last year? Yeah. Well, he's 34 from his career. Yeah. On zero volume. Look, get on the court, and then we can talk about your three-point shot. That's my point. Any any other thing besides the 30% from Scoop? Uh, no, I mean, I just think that in this league, you have to swing for the fences. As I said, who's going to be your duo? Who's going to be your trio? We know you just told us all of the, the upcoming things that's going to make it harder to get that trio. But I would feel confident. I just feel like Zion's young. Now, I would not go into this blindly. I am wishing on a star here that this kid gets it together and remains healthy. I just feel like the age, 22, maturation, I think he can get this thing together. And I just feel like you have LaMelo and Zion as your duo build around those two guys. I think you got something special, not to mention, I am putting my owner's hat on just a little bit on top of the Wizards hat. You're talking about packed out every night, main attraction, house of highlights, dominating social media, it's going to be on here in Charlotte, man, and I would just love that local kid as well. I just think there's a lot to like about making this deal. And listen, you can you can pick your cliche, no risk it, no biscuit, whichever one you want to go with. 
this would definitely be a swing for the fences, but I feel like when you're a franchise like the Hornets, these are the type of things you have to do if you want to be great. All right, we'll continue to talk a little more about the Charlotte Hornets' involvement and possibly trading the second overall pick because there's a lot of storylines to get to just surrounding that report from Sham Sharania. I do want to talk more about the Carolina Panthers. And how about Chris Sims? He's been releasing his best 21st century non-QBs for each team. And we can even talk about QB traditions in the NFL. Where do the Carolina Panthers stack up? We'll get to that coming up next on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I think I'm Nick Bosa. What you think about that version? You remember BMF? I think it would have been better if he said, I think I'm Brian Burns. But <laughs> it's the only problem I, I have with that I think I'm lyric. Brian Burns. That that you goes learn. that that goes a lot harder. Okay. I like that's a bar, right. Wes. You like that? Yeah, that's a lot better bar. <laughs> I think I'm Derek Brown. Use a clown. Oh, that is music to my ears right there. 100%. All right, here we go. We're back. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 927 WFNC birthday edition today for the callers that don't know. Your boy turned 40 today. How are you feeling, right. man? 40 years old. Man, it's crazy. You know, when you're a kid and you're in high school and college and stuff and you meet people. And Shroppy, listen up. Stuff like that. And then they're 40 and you just think about how far that is away from you. And then one day you're there, you know. But fortunately, <laughs> I've done a lot of great things in my life. So I'm not sitting there at 40. That's the thing I'm most thankful for that I'm not sitting here at 40 uh, just thinking about the what ifs and not happy with uh, where my life is right now. Not to get too deep on you, but, uh, you know, that's, Let it that's, all out, that's the best place to be. And I don't want to be sitting there at 40 like, what the hell happened? Well, it's funny because here I am at 30. And then when you're younger, when you're in high school, you think, yeah, by 30, I'm going to have it all figured oh, out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have the picket fence. I'm going to have the dog. I'm going to have the family. I'm going to be. I'm going to be making 250 yep. grand. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> Drinking brown with Wes Bryant every weekend. <laughs> hey, That's baby, what I'm we're doing. doing great, though. Because there's are. a lot of cats at 30. They're sitting there like, dang, what's going on? I got to get my life together. And I do have my fish tanks. That's so right. That. So yeah. you're good to go. Got Which a is, great girlfriend. It's adulting. You're doing good, baby. I'm, a, I'm doing my you very best. You got people coming, scooping up your dog's uh, stuff for you. You don't have to do it. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I don't know if that's the most embarrassing thing or the best thing. And this was not my decision, by the way. My girlfriend had already had <laughs> poop 911 Listen. in effect. For $10 a week, there's the a lot best of, money I spent. There's a lot of cats at no. 30 got to go out and scoop their own dog. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Right. But for $10 <laughs> a week, you don't have to. And my girlfriend, let me know. Hit us up. 704-570-9610. Also, hit the socials. Hit that follow button. We got all the content for you every day. Trying to bring you little snippets behind the scenes content on the WFNZ Instagram and Twitter. The Wesson Walker Twitter. Wes Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram at Walker Mail on Twitter. You know and my handle better than yours right now, don't you? <laughs> because you just changed and it. it. What is it, uh, Shroppy? Shroppy WFNZ, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, Shroppy WFNZ on Twitter, man. Hit him up, too, especially uh, the young single ladies. Hit him up. My oh, dog let's is swaggy. Go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's get it. All right, so uh, Chris <laughs> Sims of NBC Sports has been putting out some interesting stuff. And I guess, Walker, this is the summertime stuff. Not quite ranked radio, but good summertime banter. And he's been putting out his best 21st century non-quarterbacks for each team. It looks like he is going with about eight to ten guys uh, when you look at the list and to give you guys some proper context. So the Philadelphia Eagles is one of the teams that he's put out, the Eagles. And so... 
He's got Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, Jason Peters, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, Brian Dawkins. So that's four, five, <laughs> six, seven, eight, eight guys. So when you talk about the Panthers and you look at this thing, first, the fact that it's a your best non-quarterbacks. So we can go through some of those. He hasn't done Carolina yet, so mm-hmm. we can get out in front of those. Eight guys is the number. And then talk a little bit about the quarterback tradition. But I feel like we've got a pretty good feel. But then when you talk about the Panthers, I think the first maybe four or five would be fairly easy. But then after that, I think you have to start making some eliminations. So, uh, I mean, let's see. We we can get it cracking. We know Pepper, Steve Smith, Luke Keekley, Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson. That's five right there. Mm-hmm. Would you put Jonathan Stewart in this list? That's what I'm saying. After you get past about five, now you're starting to get into the weeds a little bit and you start to have some debates. So who are some guys who who, who fills in the next three for you or who are some of your biggest candidates? Do you feel like there's a can't-miss guy after five? So I have, I believe I have nine that I feel very good about. Just here very quickly. Julius Peppers. Greg okay. Olson, Luke Keekley. I don't know why I put so much emphasis on the K there. That was right. Weird. Luke Keekley. Very Keekly. well enunciated. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Smith, <laughs> Thomas Davis. Yes, TD. I'm sorry about that. I forgot about him. I think Moose is a no question. I would agree. Moose Muhammad. I'm going to go with a couple of offensive linemen. Jordan Gross, Ryan Khalil. Okay, but you got eight. Somebody got to go. Yeah, I know. Well, we've got, we're going to, uh, you said eight to 10, right? Well, you, he went eight. I was doing that guesstimating just off reading it on the page, but he, it looks like he's well, going Well, okay, eight. Chris. J.J. Jansen? Everybody in the, <laughs> yes, J.J. is an automatic, <laughs> but everybody else in the world goes 10. I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give you nine or 10 here. I'm going to try to give you 10, but Sam Mills needs to be on this list. The guy's got Ooh, a statue. So Sam yeah. Mills is a non-negotiable. So those are my nine. And I, I feel pretty good about those top nine. And I don't know what other route you would want to go with. I think that is the point where it starts to get pretty hard. I think the guys that would be in the running, it would be somebody like Mike Minter. Um, I think maybe you would go Chris Jenkins, who was a beast in the middle of that defensive line for quite some time. Mike Rucker. Maybe Charles Johnson for longevity. So McCaffrey's not even in a discussion for you. I think McCaffrey, he was very good, and then he got hurt too much, and then they traded him. I, I wouldn't put McCaffrey so as a top ten. Sounds like Zion, dude. So cold. <laughs> I like yeah, Ryan Khalil great, though. But, yeah, I put Ryan Khalil out there. Five time Pro Bowler. Yeah, Ryan yeah. Khalil would make my bottom. Well, that's after why I, TD. I my bottom two selections. After, I'm not going in order. I'm just going. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm just saying that the the five that I named off top, which which I feel are the gimmies. Then you talk TD. Then I would go Moose, so that really gives me one slot left. And who would get that one? I got to show the O-line some love, and not just because he was an O-lineman. Jordan Gross went to three Pro Bowls, but Ryan Khalil went to five. I don't think there are a lot of Panthers that went to five or more Pro Bowls besides him. So Khalil would be my choice. Uh, I think, though, like you said, it does get pretty hard, but I don't think the Panthers have many guys that have gone to five or more Pro Bowls. Yeah, it's it's funny because I we have a lot of the same guys here, right? My nine are Pep, Olsen, Luke, Smitty, yep. TD, Moose, yep. Gross, Khalil, Mills. And after that, that's what I have to think. Like, to me, top nine, I breeze through that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I feel very good about where I have my top nine. And Except then I think, that you needed to pick eight. Well, if I go with eight, then I'm probably going to kick out Ryan Khalil. 
and I would put Sam Mills in there because Sam Mills is the last guy. Sam is non-negotiable. That's hard to argue. Okay, Mantra, keep pounding, comes in, has a tremendous impact on the franchise. I would say the biggest. And if we're going non-QBs, that would be the guy. And so I'd have to kick out the offensive lineman, Ryan Khalil. I would argue Thomas Davis is probably the second athlete that embodies the keep pounding mantra um, after Sam Mills because of three ACL injuries. And then you're just going on best linebacker in the 2010s. I don't want to, Patrick Willis was before, right? Just because San Francisco. (laughs) No, 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 no. You get no arguments out of me on Luke Keekley, man. So, so Luke Keekley, three time, 1000 yard receiver in Greg Olson, hall of fame receiver should be hall of fame receiver in Steve Smith, two time, all decade defensive end member in which I hope you guys understand what I'm saying there. Two time, all-decade member as a defensive end in Julius Peppers. It's like my favorite stat to ever exist in sports history. Moose, who was here, who was almost, almost an OG Panther. I think he came in right at that 96 season and then was with them forever. Yeah, I feel confident if we wanted to go eight, I'll kick out Khalil. If we wanted to go nine, I, that's that's as good as I feel ranking. And then at 10, it starts to get dicey. If, oh, man, that's so hard. If I was to swap Sam Mills out for anybody, because I do agree with you, that's hard to argue him i would probably swap out sam mills for olsen or moose um because khalil i can't kick that man out five pro bowls i think peppers steve smith are the only two guys that might have gone to more pro bowls as a panther than he did i i can't i can't disregard that so so here are the guys in the running for the 10th by the way i mean we can make life simple and just go top 10 here right like we don't have to abide by the chris sims rule we can do top 10 i like that's where it it makes it difficult well but we can all just for the sake of conversation which is also the art of radio we can go chris gamble he's going to be in the list a little bit i think one of the more underrated panthers of all time i don't think he gets enough love john casey do you want to have the kicker in there he was clutch man well, I mean, the Super Bowl thing. People oh, are going to well, say okay, they kicked less it out. Than ideally, <laughs> you know. So you're going to have that. Chris Jenkins, Mike Minner. Those would be good. Kevin Green. I mean, Kevin Green, even if he didn't play here a long time, he did have really productive seasons with the Panthers, too. Oh, yeah. And so that would be somebody that you have to consider. Wesley Walls. Wesley right. Walls is a good one. I might even land. If Walls is in the ring of honor, then maybe Wesley Walls is your 10th guy. Maybe that's the guy. Yeah, real quick, though, just when you talk about quarterback traditions, do the Panthers have one of the worst in the NFL? Because when you look at their history of quarterbacks, there's only one real, real stud in Cam Newton. And then, like I said, you have Jake DeLone that did great things here, but nobody's going to consider him like an all-timer as far as like quarterbacks. Like That's the thing that interested me about this list as well. When you look at the Panthers' quarterback pedigree, and with Bryce Young coming in, a chance to really enhance that. But really, you only have Cam if you really just want to break it down to guys who will be remembered in NFL history. By the way, I'm putting it in cement. Wesley Walls, welcome to the top 10. I've made my decision. And as far as the quarterbacks <laughs> Did go. Did he just text in or something? Um, That's what it sounded no, like. No, but if he's listening, and uh, <laughs> yeah, feel free to continue to listen to Wes and Walker. Um I kind of view it differently with Carolina's quarterback history. Because no, it's not... I mean, Hall of Fame worthy, but man, there have been some teams that have struggled at that position. You want to dive in on it on the other side? We can, if you want to. Okay. We can. We got a lot to get to. All right. We'll dive into that on the other side and more. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.